0: P.S., the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking with members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, and my guest today is Shirley Mazalpav, a junior from Houston, Texas. Shirley is a double major in the Business Leadership Program in Economics and a minor in Math. Today, as always, the Puget Sound podcast is recorded and produced by Mooneyard Studio right here in Tacoma. Here's Shirley. Shirley, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah. Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so glad you're here. And what I want to start off by talking about is the question I've been asking people all year is where in the world are you? Because, of course, the old rules do not apply. You could be a student at the University of Puget Sound from pretty much anywhere. So where are you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm actually right off of campus living in an off-campus house, but I'm still in walking distance, so I kind of get the best of both worlds, and it's been really great. Also, Tacoma's been sunny and wonderful all week, so I'm really enjoying my placement in the Pacific Northwest right now.
0: And does the fact that you're in Tacoma mean you are benefiting from some in-person instruction and some actually going to campus and et cetera?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually have a job that is functioning in person right now. I work at the info, information center and that's been really fun and great. Um, also, one of my classes are currently hybrid. So on Mondays, we meet virtually and then on Wednesdays, we do meet in the classroom and get that in-person instruction.
0: And how is it going? Like the, one of the main questions I've gotten all year is like, what's it like to be back on campus in COVID? Does that feel weird? Does it feel good? So I'm going to put that question to you. How is it?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. I, I would say it's weird. I think it's interesting going back to things that used to seem so normal. And now it's like, this is the alternative. It's like most of my classes are online. And then on Wednesdays, I happen to go to this in-person class. Um, with that being said, it's been so nice to see a professor and be able to like watch things go up on the board and have not technical difficulties, but like the little faulty things that happen in classes. Um, it's also just nice running into people on campus. That was something I missed and didn't really get to experience last fall, even though I was in Tacoma. Um, so it's definitely coming around, but weird would be a good way of putting it. (laughs)
0: And for anybody listening who's like, uh, who's in high school or who is not a college student and is trying to get a sense of what that is like, will you just sort of take me through a day that you're going to be on campus, either for your hybrid class or because you're coming to work? Like, what does it feel like to be on campus right now? and What do you have to do?
1: Yeah, I actually had a really silly day. So I'm going to go through that one. But So in the morning, I went and did my COVID testing. It's been so nice having two tests a week on campus, just because even though I'm fully vaccinated, it gives me the security of like knowing, okay, I'm still being safe. We are still okay. I'm not jeopardizing my housemates or anyone who I happen to be around. Um, And then I would come back home. I am working for the Career and Employment Services office. So I do that work virtually, whether it's meeting with students or having meetings. After that, I went to my like work at the information center. And during that shift, I happened to have a student who was looking around but wasn't able to do a tour um, and wanted a little more guidance. So I went with this mom and daughter and hopped around campus for a bit, just giving them information, whatever building it was about or area. And on the tour, I kept waving to friends who I hadn't seen in a year or so. And they were like, oh my gosh, like you know so many people. And I think it really spoke to kind of the experience of being back on campus and being able to run into friends and have these really organic interactions um, and like sheer excitement of seeing people. After that, I went and (laughs) completed my shift at the info center and then I come home whether that's to more online class or another like work shift. And a lot of it is still interactive. So I'll have Zoom meetings um, or be able to like FaceTime friends while doing work or see someone who's in my pod. But that's kind of the day to day. So it's a combination of being on campus and not and whether I like run to school or walk um sometimes drive depending on my time constraints that day but
0: yeah how long a drive is it if you drive
1: like a minute (laughs) it's really (laughs) embarrassing to say I can if I'm booking it walking really fast I do it in like five and then I'm like no I need the two minutes to spare so I'll just (laughs) drive over to the student union building and be like cool I made it to work on time
0: when I was a college student at Pichet Sound and I lived off campus, I had a very similar situation. I lived on 8th. And for people listening to whom that like doesn't mean anything, sort of the cross street at the center of campus is 15th. So that's kind of what you would need to get to to get to like the student union building where Shirley works. And I really, when I moved into that house, was like, this is going to be so great. Like, I'll walk to class every morning. I'll have a little transition moment. And I drove Nearly every day.
1: Yeah, I live at 11th and Alder, if that means anything. It (laughs) sure does. Just like I can see campus from my window. And sometimes I'm like, nope, I need to get there now. And I didn't have a car on campus freshman or sophomore year. And honestly, I really enjoyed that. It -hmm. encouraged me to like walk to the waterfront, which I still try and do. Um, But when you have the ease and access of a car, sometimes it falls by the wayside. (laughs) And I have that with my friends too, who have recently gotten cars and didn't have them earlier in their college career. And so they'll always joke that they'll go from like the Greek houses or like campus housing on the other side of campus and drive to the student union (laughs) building, which is just so much further than if you were to walk, but it's (laughs) like, yeah, I drove.
0: (laughs) I used to think, so I did the same thing where I went through, I think like my first two or three years without a car and then had one. Um, And I also really liked it partly because of the reason you mentioned, but partly because it made my junior and senior year feel new, that like there was something kind of left to explore. I could make my world a little bigger by suddenly, you know, it wasn't a big deal to drive to Lakewood or to drive to Gig Harbor.
1: Yeah, I feel like that has been so true for me, especially my junior year. This is the first year that I'm living off campus. I actually wasn't supposed to and rearranged my housing because of COVID. Mm. And it has opened kind of a whole new world for me with my education at like Puget Sound, because it allows me to be a real person and be like, oh, I need to go downstairs and cook or like take out the trash or do these things for myself and exist like with other people as you would in like the typical real world. I feel like I've had more and more conversations where I'll hear friends saying something like, oh, when I, like, I don't want to go into the real world or get a real world job. And an adult, a lot of times will comment back and be like, you realize you're already in the real world. Like, this is just another stage of it. And I feel like that rings so much more true with having a car, being off campus, working, but also like understanding that education is a piece of me, but not necessarily how I define myself in Always, which was definitely the reality of it in high school or middle school and just growing up because you're so used to being a student. Like that is who you are.
0: Were you somebody who was always pretty sure you were going to go to college too?
1: I think so. I think my image of what college was or what I wanted to study or where that would look like varied throughout my life, mm-hmm. but it was a pretty next like, next step that seemed where I would be headed.
0: I think that that has a lot to do with it, too. If you sort of have had college as a, a destination in your mind, no matter how abstract that is or how much your vision of what it looked like was, that when you get to that, you really feel like that's what you're in. And you're right to sort of step out of it and think of yourself as a person outside the student model is, um, is like I think, a big moment for a lot of people to realize that.
1: Yeah. I think for me, especially, it's been a big experience because I was always like very absorbed in my academics. I was like, this is so important. Like grades are so much. Um, I think something I've learned about myself and enjoyed learning is that the older I've gotten, the less I realize I don't know. I'm like, I really just don't know everything and we're going to learn more and it's going to be okay. But I feel like 7th grade was like my peak self where I was like, yeah, I know everything. Like ask me where I'm going, ask me what I'm doing, I can tell you it all. And since then I'm like, nope. <laughs> um, but I can try and find out. And that's been a cool like exploration experience.
0: Will you say a little more about what you mean when you say your kind of vision and goals changed for college changed throughout your life and your time in high school? Like what was the the journey of thinking about college and then getting to Puget Sound?
1: Most definitely. Um, I'm going to go way back even though you didn't ask this, but I feel like starting out, even in elementary school, I had a lot of interests and I was like, oh, maybe I'll do this or I'll be this. Um, and I've come to terms with it more and realized that I just really enjoy helping people, whatever that looks like. Um, But I kept seeing roles where I saw that action coming to play. And I was like, oh, I guess I must want to do that career because they're doing a piece that I think I like. And then going into middle school, I started refining that more and got really interested in psychology and why people make the decisions they do, how it affects their world, how their perception of the things around them, like change like their experience going from day-to-day life. Also, I had friends who were from all over the world, whether they were embassy kids or their parents happened to work in different countries. So it was really this idea that we would split up wherever we went and not just across the nation, but probably around the world. So with that, I was thinking, I'm going to go to this school. I don't want to go to an Ivy League, which a lot of my friends were looking at. And Cambridge was the second best psychology school in the world at the time. And I was like, cool, I'm going there. It's set. This is what's happening. And then as I grew older and ended up moving back to the U.S. after my eighth grade year, I realized that maybe psychology wasn't the best fit for me. That was a lot of conversations with friends and being like, I care about people and I want to help. And they're like, surely you're going to take that work home with you and you're never going to let it go. And I was like, okay, that might be true. But like, how do I still do it? And so in high school, I was doing like postgraduate work with a world-renowned psychologist, which was amazing and so cool. And I got to learn so much about it. But I also realized that might not be the best fit for me. And so finding a way that I can still help people and pick them up from where they're going or help problem solve, but maybe not in such an intense and intimate way. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, I changed my vision of what college looked like. And I knew I wanted to go to a school where I could have a well-rounded experience and enjoy a collaborative environment. I had been in very competitive, rigorous schools. And I had done well and I tend to feed off that energy and like rise to the occasion, but it's not who I wanted to be or the type of work I was trying to pursue. So, yeah.
0: At the time that you were realizing that, were you back in the US? Because you went to high school in Texas.
1: Yes, so I went to high school in Houston, Texas. I was realizing it then. I think I knew that my school was hard and that we were competitive when I was living in Israel. But when you're in the midst of it and you're competing with your four or five closest best friends and all trying to get like the top grade while playing all the sports and doing all the things, you still think that that's healthy and that that's good. And it can be for some people. It wasn't the case for me. Mm -hmm.
0: And once you had that realization, which also let me just like congratulate you on that, because we're talking about it like it's a very casual thing, but it's like a lot of work to look at yourself and say, oh, I think I have learned something about myself and what I want that is different than the things, all the signals around me are telling me I should want, That is no small thing. Yeah. Once you came to that conclusion... Like, how did you get from that to Puget Sound? I mean, were you Googling colleges and you thought, oh, this has three of the five things I want? Like, what happened?
1: Yeah, that is such a great question. So me going to college was a little abrupt, (laughs) to say the least. So I was actually visiting a friend out in San Diego, and Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. Mm -hmm. So I was unable to return home for about a month, and I had intended to going for three days. So when I did finally get home, my school was still closed. Like it was a pretty devastating event for the whole city. And so I started school, I think late September. And we were going in it. I was a junior. I was taking a bunch of AP courses and figuring out what I wanted to do. I was also talking about maybe moving to California because I really enjoyed my time there and finishing up high school But I still cared a lot about my studies, and it was just overall a very stressful time. So I came to the conclusion that I cannot, like, I can stay in Houston and not mess up my academic current trajectory, and I could just graduate early, and then I can choose wherever I want for college. And that kind of seemed like problem solved. It was a lot more stressful, and there were a lot more tears behind it, but we came to the overall decision and I was like, cool, I guess I'm graduating. So I was the 16 year old. It's like November, my junior year, I guess I'm a senior now. And I was trying to figure out how to navigate it. And so being the planner and trying to figure out like, what is the best optimal solution for me? And where should I be going? I had spreadsheets, Um, We were planning different visits. I was like, oh, I guess I need to schedule standardized tests now because that is a thing that I have never done. And I was really just navigating that. So I went to a small private high school in Houston, and we also had a large emphasis on liberal arts and what that education looked like. I was really interested in it because I knew I had a wide variety of interests. I knew it would push me to learn in a number of subjects rather than just what I wanted to do. And while I had ideas of maybe I'll go to school for psychology still and apply it in a different way or I'll do computer science and combine them or econ, I was coming up with all these ideas but not really set on anything. So liberal arts seemed like a really good fit. And then there were the colleges that change lives. Um, so I was suggested to look at schools in that book and we did have a college counselor at my school and she was wonderful and so helpful. so I was able to think through a lot of the schools and the decisions. I was very focused on going to a collaborative school where I enjoyed the environment. I really liked going outside and I hate the heat and the humidity and living in Houston and Israel I Feel weird saying that, but I never got away from either of them. Here it'll get to like 78 degrees and I'm like, it's hot outside. And people are like, aren't you from Texas? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, and this is hot. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a factor for me. I really wanted a place I would enjoy and not be competing with everyone around me or having to do the best. I wanted a holistic experience, which I think is, in my opinion, what I was hoping to get out of college. Like Having an education and graduating with a degree is a very important component, um, but I didn't want to constantly doubt or only be in the library all the time. Uh, but rather make friends and have experiences and go on trips and like be a part of something bigger.
0: Like what you hear. Hi. I'm Mike Rottersman, Associate Director of Admission. If you're enjoying the Puget Sound podcast, you might wanna consider taking a closer look. We're currently offering a range of virtual visit activities, including virtual information sessions, snapshot tours, admitted student spotlights, and virtual open houses. And for admitted students, select in-person campus tours. There's truly something for everyone. And you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash visit. One thing I think about a lot when I think about that attitude to picking a college, because that was very similar for me, actually. I'm feeling a lot of my own life echo in what you're talking about. But is that part of it is not just that you want to have friends, but you want to have friends you'll like. Right. So, like, not just where do I think I can be happy, but where do I think I'm going to find people who are also prioritizing the things that I value and are also living happy lives?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I also, funny enough, was not set on Puget Sound by any means. I actually didn't even want to visit the school. So me and my mom were doing a visit in the Pacific Northwest as I was looking at a few schools here. I was actually looking at schools in like Washington, Oregon, this region, and also like Maine. I knew I wanted cold and I didn't want to be in Texas. And those were kind of my main places. I had a few other schools scattered throughout the country. But then my mom was like, hey, we're already going to be there. Let's go visit the school. And I had all these preconceived like misconceptions about the school that I didn't know were misconceptions. But when you're looking at so many universities, you have to start to put them in boxes because then you can't ever make a decision if you don't. So I thought that the academics wouldn't be at the level I wanted them to be. And the students won't really care. I thought I wanted a school with no Greek life. I didn't want it to even have a presence I thought that Point Defiance looked like man-made scenery that was like in my spreadsheet. And I can assure you, it is not (laughs) as beautiful. But I had kind of all these ideas of why this wasn't the school for me. And then I came and I visited and like slowly, one by one, my misconceptions were turned around. And I felt very uneasy about it because I was like, no, I did my research and I know this, like, this isn't it. And then me and my mom would kind of share these looks and we both knew what the other was thinking, but I didn't want to admit that I was very <laughs> wrong about my opinions. And she would just be like, hey, I think it's like maybe the place. And so we just realized that throughout. And that was my experience with picking the school.
0: Once you once you picked Puget Sound you know, you have to have an expectation to do that of what you think the institution will give you. But then once you got on campus, like what did you learn about that expectation? Did you find places where you were like, yep, this is going exactly how I thought it would. Did you, have there been parts of your experience where you were pleasantly surprised or like whatever the opposite of pleasantly surprised is where you thought, huh, like this is not the way I thought this thing was going to be.
1: Most most definitely. I feel like I thought that once I picked a school and knew how things were going and went there, everything would be perfect and great. Which like, not to that full extent, but kind of around that idea. And then I realized that like some people transfer and it's not the place for everyone. And you'll find people who love it and love it to death. And like would never leave. And then you find people where it's like, how did I even end up here? What am I doing here? Which I think exists at every school, but was interesting to watch. And I think with my own personal experience, I saw both and I was like, oh, then where do I fall? And like, do I agree with this? Or am I over here? Um, so I definitely had moments questioning, like, did I really make the right decision? And should I be at this school? Um Also the cohort program I'm a part of was like a drawing factor for me. You're in
0: the business leadership program.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. So I am a part of the business leadership program. I actually found out about it when I was visiting campus, like before choosing to come to the school. And I heard about it and I was like, wait, that sounds like, really cool. They were talking about internships and seminars and fellowships and you get to go network with alumni. And I was like, wait, I get to go talk to people and learn about things and engage in that experiential learning. And it's like, yeah, that's what the program does. And I was like, I want to do that. And I happened to be able to schedule a meeting with the head of the business program, like that day, the two days I was in town and then went home. And first thing I did was apply. And so that was a Drawing factor. But even within that, there were people who decided the program wasn't for them, but the school was. So I think it's a variety of experiences, and seeing that you find the place that fits you is what really matters. Um, But also leaving the room to question it. Like I did not have a smooth sailing experience with that at all.
0: We've sort of dropped little Easter eggs here and there of like the things you're involved in on campus. So you're in the business leadership program, you've mentioned two jobs. Like, will you just take me and listeners through kind of the the bullet point list of Shirley? Like, one thing I joke about a lot, well, it's not really a joke. One thing I say a lot about students at Puget Sound is everybody at Puget Sound has an and list. So, like, I'm in this major, and at this major, and at this minor, and I'm in these couple clubs, and I do this, That, like, give me your and
1: list. Yeah, I think that's so very true. <laughs> my and list has definitely, like, grown with me throughout my Like years of Puget Sound. Um, But my current AND list is I am a part of the business leadership program. I am also double majoring in economics and minoring in math. Now I'm like very aware every time I say the word AND. um, (laughs) I know it
0: does kind of ruin it.
1: (laughs) I also work at the information center and I am the like peer advisor for advanced career development at um, career and employment services. Also something else about Puget Sound, we have so many acronyms and I'm like biting my tongue not to use them to be like, I need to share what these things are. Um, I also am a part of the undergraduate women in economics club. I'm actually the treasurer. So on the executive team, and that is a really cool space. I also participate in different events like through the business leadership program. I am also a part of Greek life and in a few honor societies on campus. Yeah, I think that is my main ant list. There are a bunch of one-off clubs and things I like to participate in, but I think that's where I mostly identify.
0: Can I add something to your ant list? Oh, for sure.
1: Let's do it. <laughs>
0: I think you're also doing summer research this summer, right? An upcoming item.
1: Yeah, I am so excited about that. I'm actually doing summer research through the university. So, mm-hmm. I was awarded a grant to do summer research alongside a professor and we're actually co-authoring our paper, which is a very cool piece and component about it.
0: And will you give us the the primer, give us the abstract version of what that research is and part of the reason The main reason I want you to do this is because I'm interested. But the second reason I want you to do it, the sort of ulterior motive, is that I know a lot of times people hear research and they think like test tube and lab coat. Tell me what your research is all about.
1: Yeah. So I am actually working with one of my finance professors to look into student managed funds, which are sums of money that are allocated to provide students with the opportunity to manage and administer investment like funds for the purpose of learning and education. We actually have our own student-managed fund on campus, which is PSIC, which is Puget Sound Investment Club. And so they manage a portion of the endowment that was granted to the school specifically for that reason. So then there is this concept of closet indexing where the portfolio that is supposed to be actively managed, which means they are independently selecting which stocks or equities to put their money into um, is following their benchmark closely. So they're not going to fail too bad or like succeed too high. Um, And that is actually a very bad practice for finance and the finance world. So we're looking into if universities really provide the like right tools and educational experience to learn about active management, or if students are nervous about it and end up just being closet indexers and following their benchmark in fear of failure. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do this by quantitatively analyzing if the fund is a closet index by seeing how far from its benchmark it is, and if they like trail it by finding similar equities, and then we're also going to add a psychological component and seeing are there ways in which the institution or their like club rules and regulations is influencing them to invest in that way and is there a way we could make it more educational or more open to mistakes
0: and what are the the implications of that question like depending on what you find is this a situation where you know one possible outcome might be that a university wants to Have a little more like faculty or administrative oversight to make sure that students really are taking realistic risks? Is there another type of implication or another outcome that might come out of answering that
1: question? Yeah, I think the big importance of the question is to see that within universities, we're providing an opportunity to learn. Because if you're in this educational space and Like our Puget Sound Investment Club is managing around $200,000. You also have like student managed funds that are managing millions of dollars, and some where it's like tens of thousands or smaller amounts. And seeing that students are able to make mistakes and learn and like figure out those practices now, like we want them to go into the world and be prepared for what investing is and how to actively manage a portfolio rather than oh, in school, I didn't want to fail. And I had these regulations. So I like worked really hard to follow them by just basically copying what my like benchmark was to seeing like, oh, I can make mistakes. But as long as I'm taking calculated risks and analyzing why I'm doing these things, that is okay. That's
0: such a cool project.
1: I'm really excited I it's a really neat interdisciplinary interaction of finance and psychology where I always like joke that I really like numbers like don't make me write a paper or read too much but I also (laughs) want to talk to people so it's a way of being able to take data and quantitatively like analyze it but then also speak to it and how it affects like our emotional well-being and our capacity to learn.
0: Surely, we end every episode by asking everybody the same four questions. First question is, where is your favorite spot on campus?
1: That is such a good question. Oh, I have so many favorite spots on campus. Okay, so I'm really bad at picking favorites. I'm going to preface with that. So I'm going to give a couple, but like they're kind of all the same vibe. So it's okay, in my opinion. I really like the President's Woods. And like the little walk towards Thompson, like through the trees, because you're on campus, but you're like in a bunch of trees. And that's just fun for me. Um, I also, I don't get to go to Wyatt too much because I am not very humanities inclined. But on the third floor of Wyatt, you can go to the corner and there's just a beautiful view of Todd Field and like some of the freshman dormitories and all of campus and so I really like that spot for studying and hanging out. And then okay, last one, but right outside of Warehouser Hall, you have that you have this like perfect view of Rainier and can climb up on the bricks and see it. And I've like danced with my mom in the moonlight there and just kind of like hung out. So that one holds a special place in my heart too.
0: What are you reading right now?
1: Yeah. So With classes, I am not doing too much reading outside of it, because I am assigned a decent amount of reading. But I am reading to teach myself Tableau. So Tableau is like a data visualization software that I am currently like teaching myself because being a student, I got access to it, which has been so nice. So I'm seeing how I can apply that into my summer research as well as a couple internships I'll be conducting this summer.
0: Where is the best place to eat in Tacoma?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I'm gonna go with silk tie. I feel like that is so basic and such a default, but I used to have a friend freshman year where we would walk and do silk tie dates like once a month or once every two weeks. And we were both working on campus. And we found that if we worked two hours, it would pay for both of our meals. And then we would just switch off who paid each time. So like once every month, um, I would either pay for a meal for the both of us or she would. And then we'd like switch plates throughout and get to try each other's food. And it's awesome.
0: Lastly, Shirley, what makes Puget sound special?
1: Yeah, I think... It's really everything. It's not one specific thing where I'm like, this is why this school is special to me, but rather all the small pieces and components that come together. So that includes like the friends I've met. It includes the proximity from getting lost in the woods to being like in the heart of Seattle or Portland. It includes the professor's. The professors are phenomenal, as well as the staff. Like, I have made friends with staff members from being, like, clumsy or randomly talking to people and just having great interactions in that way. Um, I think it's so much that I don't even know how to describe it in a few words.
0: Shirley Mazaltov, thank you for joining me on the Puget Sound podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I missed seeing you around campus and I'm happy to talk whenever.
0: Thanks for listening to PS, the Puget Sound podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu admission. And of course you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at univ, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for P.S., the Puget Sound Podcast.